welcome to the Retro Blood. You are all my children now. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets Welcome back, everybody, to the Retro Blood, as we continue our month-long discussion talking 1980s horror comedy. If y'all like bad PG jokes, if y'all like programs that copy like the Munsters, and if y'all like hairy monster-looking creatures... And if you all like a, uh, hopefully the girl is 18, uh, wandering around the house, uh, trying to get away from a fish monster, then this is a review for you, brother, because the Retro Blood is finally doing Saturday the 14th. Jay Austin, James Klein, what's happening, Allison? How's your, uh, how's your Sunday the 14th going? Man, it was good until I had to watch this thing. Um... (laughs) Come on, brother. Yeah, what? you say finally. You say finally, like 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 anybody's been waiting for us to do this movie. Um, I don't happen. know. Uh, yeah, yeah. This this was something else. Um, I don't know. I don't even know what to say. But we're gonna talk about it, so we're going to. Well, we know. Last week we kind of warned people, like 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 horror comedy is not really like our wheelhouse, but we had to do it no, because there's no. so many horror comedy movies out there. You know, and it's different, like, so, it's different than a movie being a horror movie and it's trying to be serious, but it's funny. That's a different style of horror comedy. But this, right here, this is like, we're trying to be funny and goofy, and, like, this is just not made for us. (laughs) Me and you, Allison, at least. No, Um, no. I Well, see, I think the thing about it is, I respect horror comedies a lot, even though I don't like them. Because they're hard to do. You know, they're hard to do right, as we will show you several times this month. They're very hard to do right. Yeah. But you have to, it has to have that element of a real horror movie, but it also has to be funny in some way. Like Evil Dead 2 is perfect. It's, to me, is the perfect horror comedy, even though it's not really a horror comedy. It's just a funny horror movie. Um, Evil or uh, um, Army of Darkness is a good example as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just really hard to do well. Yeah. But I do respect people who make them. Yeah. Like I'm uh, so, so what's weird about this one, which we'll probably talk a little bit more on the who book this shit. So this one wasn't trying to, the first one at least wasn't trying to like go off the heels of Friday the 13th. No. Uh, it just, it, it was just called Saturday the 14th. 
you know, because of the whole, you know, superstition of Friday the 13th. You know, right. the superstition of Friday the 13th was way before the original Friday the 13th movie actually came to be. So I think this movie was just doing a goof off. Like, oh, what? what? You think Friday the 13th is bad? That superstition. Wait till you see Saturday the 14th. And I guess this movie was trying to shed light on, like, the old school, like, monster movies of, like, the 50s or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's supposed to be, yeah, it's supposed to be, like, based off an old, like, 1950s monster movie. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, like, that joke that you just told, like, about, you know, oh, imagine how bad the Saturday the 14th is going to be. Yeah. It's almost like this entire movie told that joke over and over (laughs) and over again. Yeah. I mean, come on, boy. You didn't like our boy Van Helsing? You know what I mean? He had a nice... Actually, I liked Van Helsing. I thought Van Helsing was funny. Um... But yeah, and I mean, it had some bright spots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's what a weird movie, like though, to happen in like 1981. You know what I mean? Like, I would expect this movie to come out like towards like the end of the 80s, because you know, like a lot of times when we do like very early 1980s movies, they're a little bit more like raunchy, a little bit more like realistic and stuff. I was semi caught off guard that this movie was actually took place in 1981. Um, like we're already doing like the, the spoof movies. So, but you know what? Hey, if there's an audience or an audience, I didn't realize the movie is PG too. And boy, you can, uh, you can tell, but, uh, but yeah, we'll get into it though. It's a, it's a, it, it's not necessarily like, a, like I say, it's not necessarily me and Allison's cup of tea, but it's, uh, um, yeah. it's interesting. <laughs> we'll get there. Um, but what is interesting is what happened around the actual release date of Saturday the 14th, brother. Um, so this movie, you know, it had like a bunch of different release dates. It's weird. Because, yes. like, one of them was like in August. And that's what one place, a couple websites claimed. And then a couple more websites claimed it was in October. So yeah. I was just trying to go back and forth. But I found more websites that claimed it was in October than I did... Uh, the August date. So we on the Retro Blood are going to go for the release date of October 30th, 1981. All right. And so, you know, we, we got something in the middle that I, that's going to be very interesting to talk about. But um, in um, in Shoot Life of 2024, um, a couple weeks ago, we actually had a passing of a wrestling star that me and Allison talk about all the time on this podcast. He's actually one of our favorite um, wrestlers that we actually talk about on this podcast. Yeah, I'm talking about him a lot. Um, you know, I think it was funny, too, because I don't think I knew who this guy was until we actually start like talking more about him on the podcast, and that is one Killer Khan. And, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. as I say, I'd heard of him, but I became a fan of Killer Khan. Because we talked about him so much on the show, because yes. he would always be in matches against Hulk Hogan or yeah. somebody we were talking well, about. The, we just talked about him last week, I believe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We did. Oh, we talked about him because he he was the guy who taught t- uh, Terry Gordy the fucking the fuck? Oriental Spike. Yeah, the Oriental brother. Spike. Yeah, exactly. Okay, and that Oriental Spike is the one that fucked up Kevin Von Erich, brother. All right. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So you know, which, you know, when I was doing some research about this uh, uh, Killer Khan's career, it's actually pretty fascinating. Like this guy was a really big deal. 
Um, and he actually retired like really early on and on top of his career, which is very fast. You don't see a lot of people do that and actually stay retired. Um, so he kind of started off in the 70s. And of course, you know, he's a, he, he was actually big for like a, uh, like a, uh, you know, an Asian superstar. You know, he was probably like pushing like 260 to 300 his whole career. So, you know, obviously when they're like that, they, they do a lot of, more of like a Samoan gimmick. You know what I mean? For like a little bit bigger, uh, you know, bigger Asian guys, they do a little bit more of a Samoan gimmick. Uh, yeah. But he actually, you know, he wrestled matches with uh, Antonio Noki. And it wasn't until in, in the States, his biggest feud um, was, I think it was like early 1979. Uh, he actually, or like early on the 80s too, like 1979, he, he came to travel to the US. And then 1980, he had his first wrestling match in a tag team match for Georgia Championship Wrestling. And he wrestled Andre the Giant in that match. And that's pretty much what got him noticed around here in the States because. He went. He was actually one of Andre's uh, best opponents in the earlier yes. '80s. Was Killer Khan, and I've actually watched a couple of their matches, and it was pretty good. You know, you know, like this is before Andre was like you know super slow, and you know Andre also too. Like this guy, he actually moved around pretty well before he got like you know his knees just just, just couldn't do it anymore. But you know, especially for the big man yes, like that's that. True. So, but they had some pretty hard-hitting matches, and that's pretty much what got him uh, going. And from there, from doing that matches and stuff, um, Killer Khan actually got uh, hired by the WWF at the time. And this is when he would go around the circuit, you know, for working for Vincent Mann Sr. and stuff, and later on Vincent Mann Jr., where he would uh, be a challengers for Bob Backlund and Pedro Pedro Morales for the Intercontinental title and the WWF title. So, you know, very early on in the 80s, this guy was a a, a main event heel anywhere he went. All right. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, he was he was he was you know, he had well, he had that all that going for him, right? He was he was he was big for a Japanese wrestler, which is not that common, you know. Mostly they were like the size of the Great Muda. Yeah. And he was he was Asian, so he was automatically a a good heel. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, you know this example. is... The 80s were the was the era of the foreign yes. heel menace. Right? Like, if you were... If you were from fucking anywhere, brother. If you were from fucking England, you know, Australia, you know, you name it, Japan, China, it doesn't matter. Russia, bro, you're the heel of the earth. It is USA, folks. Oh, yeah. And it's funny, America's- they actually... Um, I was going to ask you about this too, Austin, because it, yeah. it, it was pretty funny. Like uh, a couple weeks back on Raw, where the uh, the Rock made his return, you know, to 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 wrestling, or at least to, to Monday Night Raw, where where he yeah. uh, he confronted Ginger Mahal, and Ginger Mahal was yes. doing the old uh, '80s promos. You all don't like me because I'm different. It it, it kind of did remind me of like the the '80s, that whole promo he was doing. You know what I mean? Cause like you don't really see that nowadays. Like nowadays, like everything is so connected because of the internet and streaming and everything. Like the foreign heel doesn't really like work anymore. It's like no, it just it, to be honest, it's just kind of stupid. Like you know what I mean? Like nobody cares well, the- if you're from Russia or if you're a good wrestler or a bad guy. You're a good wrestler or a bad guy. It doesn't really matter where you're from. Yeah, the world is so small now. But like it was a different place. The world was different then. Like yeah. These places really were mysterious still in the early 80s, especially. 
because you know you always hear those stories about like um you know when people like in the 60s got drafted to go to vietnam mm-hmm. and they're like i've never even heard of this country i don't even know where vietnam is that's true you know which sounds weird to us now that you know there's a country in the world we would never have heard of you know but back then that's true i mean like you know back in the back in the 80s still you know pre-internet days like people just didn't know a lot about the every part of the world yeah um you know it was the asia was still mysterious and weird yeah i just it just it's just funny nowadays like seeing like different promotions try to push that angle but you know during the 80s you could be that big foreign menace uh, so a couple of things i want to bring up about Khan. like so you know one of his uh biggest um matches or feuds like we were saying was with andre the giant and which is funny because there was one match they did in May of 1981, and it was Killer Khan doing his devastated knee drop from the top from the top rope onto Andre the Giant's ankle, uh, supposedly shattering and breaking Andre Andre the Giant's ankle. Now this was like a shoot, you know, because actually Andre actually hurt his ankle getting out of bed. Okay, right. but they used it part of a storyline. And that eventually got so much heat and got s- such a big feud that it actually won uh, that year's um, Wrestling Observer Newsletter Feud of the Year for the, for the whole year. Because like I said, like the feud between Andre and Khan was actually one of the, the biggest uh, wrestling feuds going on in the States, uh, especially around this time of, of Saturday the 14th. Because this is it all comes in. So in November of 1981, so a month before this uh, Saturday the 14th came out, in Philadelphia, Andre defeated Khan in a Mongolian stretcher match. Oh, yes. The famous Mongolian stretcher match. Yeah. But which I believe, I think we talked about that match before. Mm-hmm. You know? I believe so. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, stretcher matches out there. And, you know, but you could probably get a big ass stretcher to get Andre on that thing. So. Yeah. I was, I was wondering how they actually yeah. did that. But, yeah. So, you know, this guy, he, he wrestled everywhere. He, he was wrestling in Stampede Wrestling. Obviously, we talked about his run in WCCW where he would, uh, you know, teach Terry Gordy the Oriental Spike. All right. And also, yep. Khan, he, you know, after all this, he actually made a brief re- return to the WF in 1987, managed by Mr. Fuji. And this is when he would do feuds with his biggest feud was with, you know, Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan around this time. So he was a big you know, menacing heel for Hulk Hogan yes. in his, in his prime. So. Absolutely. And, yeah. And, and that's how we've talked about a lot of him is his, his bouts with Hulk Hogan on the show. Yeah. Cause, and it, you know, what's crazy about those bouts too mm. is after his run with Hulk Hogan and Macho Man stuff later on in 1987, he would just retire. Oh, so I was going to ask you yeah. like, how early he actually did retire. So that, he didn't even make it to the 90s. He didn't even he make the 90s now. To 1987. Which yeah. is crazy. Because well, you know. like, okay, you know, especially when you think of like wrestlers now. You know what I mean? Like some of his wrestlers have been wrestling. I mean, look at AJ Styles. This guy's been wrestling since like 2000 probably. You know what I mean? And he's still going well, at a yeah. high level. You know, obviously he's a little different body wise and stuff. But it's just crazy that somebody actually of his, of the stature and the in the in the foreign menace and the big heel presence of Killer Khan would just opt to retire during his prime, you know, because this guy is fighting the biggest star in wrestling at this time all over the world, Hulk Hogan, on the biggest wrestling show, the WWF, in the main event with Hulk Hogan, 
okay, for the championship. You know what I mean? And then a couple months later, he just retired fully from wrestling and opened up a, a restaurant that he pretty much worked uh, for, for the rest of his life until he actually passed away, which is pretty amazing. Because, you know, he didn't even, like, come back and make appearances and stuff. He just stayed retired. Yeah, well, so in 1987, he turned 40. Yeah. So I could see how you could probably think, well, 40 is a good year, good year to retire as a wrestler. Because back then, a 35-year-old wrestler was pretty old. Yeah. Um, you know, like, because there's a story about Ric Flair talking about how, him, like, when he turned 35, he was like, oh, I'm going to have to retire pretty soon. Um, but, um, and Hulk Hogan was about 35, I think, when Killer Khan retired. Okay. Um, so he was kind of getting up there too, but you know, yeah. Hogan was born in 1953, um, with three, four, five, six, 34, he'd have been 34 and, and killer Khan was, uh, was, was 40. So, I mean, that makes sense for the time period, but yeah, I mean, he's probably one of those that he had enough money Yeah. and he went back to, uh, Tokyo and started those restaurants, which he ran until he died. Yeah. No so, more traveling. I just run my restaurant. Yeah, and his restaurant, he was, you know, very, you know, obviously he had it for so many years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, and it's crazy. He actually uh, died in while he was working at the restaurant, so he collapsed uh, at the restaurant that he was working at and stuff. So wouldn't that be amazing? Like, if we took a retro blood field trip to Tokyo and we were able to eat in Killer Khan's restaurant. Oh, that'd be there. awesome. Golly, I know. We could ask him to teach us the Oriental Spike. Oh, and the knee jump. Oh my God, that'd be fucking oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, just a just a really good like bad guy. I mean, such a great base for baby faces of the U.S. at this time. You know, what I mean, like pretty much every baby face that he fought, like Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, you know, Andre the Giant, you know, the Von Erichs. You know, I mean, gee, like every feud he was in, it just made sense. You know what I mean? So he was just a really good heel character to have around this particular time. And, you know, I don't think he gets talked about as much, but he's definitely had a big impact from the, from almost right at, right when he started in the U.S. of 1980 to 87. Like this guy was around yeah. everywhere. Fight, you know, in main events, fighting for, for big, big time stars in main events all over the world. So it's pretty impressive for that seven-year run that he had in the 80s is really impressive and he'd make a whole career out of it and then would run a, a full successful um restaurant with the great family so i mean what more can you ask for so but exactly rest in peace killer Khan. rest in peace killer Khan. we will keep talking about him because you know we are the retro blood and when his name comes up, we're always very excited to talk about him. And yeah, that would be fun, even to this day, to still go visit his restaurant and check out all mm. the uh, the cool, cool stuff about uh, Killer Khan. But, uh, but rest in peace. But like I said, we'll be talking more about our boy Killer Khan in uh, future oh, yeah. episodes of the Retro Blood. Yep, because the 80s live forever on our show. Yes, they do, brother. Speaking of the 80s living forever, <laughs> boy, this is a wild story. And I had no idea that this actually even happened and I could not see this happening. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I never knew about this story. It's pretty crazy. So, so around this exact date of October 30th night, I think it was actually October 22nd. I believe this actually aired. I thought it was the 31st. Oh, the 31st. Let me see. I got it on my, uh, I got it on a message I sent you. Yeah. I thought it was Halloween night, which was a Saturday and this movie came out on yes, a Friday. Yes, it was. It was. Yes. Yes. Okay. Halloween night. 
So if you all were turning, if you were all done with trick-or-treating and partying and stuff, if you turned on your good old television to Saturday Night Live on October 31st of 1981, at the end you would see the punk band Fear yes. <laughs> make a very memorable appearance mm -hmm. on Saturday Night Live. And so this is all really fascinating to me. Okay, maybe you could tell a little bit more of the story because yeah, I know you said you know a little bit more about this than me. But when I was watching the clip, I was like, oh, shit, they're getting introduced by Donald Pleasant. How cool is that? Yeah. I was like, oh, shit. So, but what can you tell us about fear and this whole, this whole incident? So, hey, I can't even imagine what Donald Pleasant's must have been thinking during this. Because you got to consider that he did this show twice the same night. So, um, so basically, fear is... And a, there, there's a lot of ways to look at this, but I'm going to look at it my way because I'm me. But Fear is like one of the original Los Angeles punk rock bands. So when, um, you know, punk has a long history, which I consider the punk starting with the Ramones. Um, but then like by the time it got to the West Coast, it was it would it turn into what they call what they were calling at the time hardcore which is like the black flag bands and circle jerks and uh, fear and bands like that. But fear was led by this guy named Lee Ving, who was, um, he'd been around a really long, long time. He was actually kind of an older punk. Cause you know, they, most punk rockers were like in their teens and he was a little bit older. Um, I don't know exactly how old. he was probably um, 30, <laughs> which for a punk rocker in that time was really old. Um, so he, you know, he was a little bit older, but he started this band called Fear, um, and they kind of got famous by being in this movie called uh, "The Decline of Western Civilization," which is a documentary about came out in 1981 about the punk rock movement in LA. Um, and in that movie, if you watch that, it gives a really good indication of what Fear's like. They're basically just assaulting the audience. Um, you know, like he's like he shows him playing in San Francisco and he's calling everybody the F word and like people are throwing stuff at him and he's just like insulting, insulting to the audience instead of playing. They had a really raucous show. Punk rock was like a really unknown thing at that time. It was just this crazy thing where these kids were like when they were dancing, they were running into each other and people were getting maybe getting hurt. And it's just insane. Like, look at this insanity kind of thing. It was like the 1950s all over again. Um, but in. October of 1981, Saturday Night Live was kind of like <clears throat> on its way down. Like its ratings weren't good. So they wanted to bring back John Belushi, who had quit the show probably a year before that, yeah. to be a guest on the show. But his stipulation was that he wanted to get his friends in fear to be the um, musical guest um, because he had – he was he loved fear and he had hired them to do a, sh a song for his movie neighbors which had come out the year before but um it was rejected by the movie company and the film company so he wanted to make it up to him by giving him national screen time so he was going to get him on saturday night live so all this was going to be great at this time saturday night live was a little different like you didn't have like the format where they played one song and then like a, you know 30 minutes later they played another song the, a lot of the bands played all their songs all at one time so fear was going to play three songs. Um, and, um, 
but so they were okay. So they were hired to do this show and they thought Saturday Night Live thought that a great idea would be, let's get some legitimate punk rockers to come to, (laughs) to come to the taping so that it, you know, it didn't look like, you know, some tourists from the Midwest sitting in the front row watching fear play. Let's get, you know, like 15 legitimate punk rockers to stand up front and it would look like a punk rock show. So <clears throat> one of the people that they caught, con- they contacted what ended up being Ian Mackay, who is basically an icon. I mean, he is an icon. He's an icon of punk rock. He's an icon of music. Um, you know, he was in minor threat. He's uh, he was in Fugazi, um, you know, of the DC punk rock scene. Like Ian Mackay is like a God basically. But back then he was just a singer for minor threat. So they contacted him and they said, Hey, do you want to come up for the show? Um, it's going to be on TV and we need to get some people, you know, we want to get some punk rockers to show up for the show. Um, so he went up there and a bunch of other people from DC went up there with him apparently. Um, and then a lot of like New York area punks went too, like John Joseph from the Cro-Mags was there. Um, uh, Tesco V from the meat men was there. Um, and then just like regular punks that weren't in bands. Um, so there were supposed to be 15 of them. But by the time they actually showed up, there was a they said there was around eighty. So there's like eighty yeah. kids showed up for the show, and then they had this like the way they had it set up at the time was they had the stage, the band was going to play, and then people were sitting like amphitheater style, like kind of far away, which I guess gave room for the cameras to move back and forth. But in the area where the cameras would be, they were going to have the punk rockers stand. Um, so. <clears throat> Everything went fine for a while, and then they were going to. Um, so basically, Saturday Night Live has they do the show twice in the the first night, in the night. So the first the first time is a dress rehearsal, and then the second one is when they actually go live on the air. So during the dress rehearsal, <clears throat> they were basically like Ian McKay was basically telling them like, "Look, just calm down, you know, just be cool because we don't want to." They don't want to, we don't want them to kick us out so that they, you know, they, so that we can't be on, on the actual, um, um, broadcast, but that didn't happen. So they were, um, the Sophia played their songs. Um, everybody kind of went insane and, um, that I think they broke a camera. I think they broke a camera during the rehearsal. Um, so then they were like, so they did the show. And then they were like, then that's why Donald Pleasance acts so weird when he's introducing him on the actual show. Mm-hmm. But he's like, um, but they're like, um, all right, well, we're not going to kick you out. It's just like, you know, just kind of be calm. It'll be fine. We're still going to do this. Um, so then the show goes on, that goes on the air. And then, um, but by this point, you know, when you have a bunch of punk rockers that are standing around getting bored for three hours, they're just going to get all there's going to get up all this pent-up aggression. Right. So, so basically they're just sitting there waiting on fear to play. Donald Pleasance inter, inter, introduces fear and then this place just fucking explodes. Like they start playing beef bologna and just like everything just, it just goes off like a bomb. Like yeah. these kids are like jumping up on the stage and they're like stage diving into the crowd and they're like beating people up and they're like breaking pumpkins because they had these pumpkin decorations. They're like breaking these pumpkins on the ground. And like breaking stuff and like it, everything goes all to hell. And then, um, then fear plays a second song, which was, um, 
um what is the second song? New uh, uh, New York is okay if you like saxophones. I believe is what it's called. Yeah. Uh, so they play that song, and then they're about to go into another song, which is "Let's Start a War." And, and um, then you can see like this one like punk rocker guy carrying this huge pumpkin over yeah. his head, <laughs> and it just cuts to dead air. Like he's just gonna, and then he like smash this like, um, he like end up smashing like this uh, producer in the head with the pumpkin. Yeah. But it doesn't air. It just cuts off like right when he's about to smash him. Um, and then um, fear and punk rock in general until rancid in the nineties was pretty much banned from Saturday Night Live from yes. then on. Because then so they it's an also epic story. Um, wasn't there also like claims that they broke a bunch of studio equipment too, like and it cost them like a lot of money. So yeah, so uh. there's um, there is um, debate about that. So the real estimate is that they caused about ten thousand dollars worth of damage, which is still a lot. Yeah, but. Um, the New York Post apparently called Lee Ving in his hotel room the next day and said, um, um, and this is from an interview with Lee. Yeah. So, so apparently like they called him the next day and said, um, you know, we heard that you were on Saturday Live last night and your band caused $10,000 worth of damage. And he's like, he's like, we're, he's like, he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, we're professionals. We caused, Four hundred thousand dollars worth of damage, yeah. and they just hung up. Um, <laughs> so they ran with like two hundred thousand dollars, is what they the New York Post actually said. Yeah, but um, yeah. So apparently, they the reputation is they cost two hundred thousand dollars worth of damage to Saturday Night Live, but by playing for their three songs, which lasted a total of less than ten minutes. So this whole thing lasted less than ten minutes, but it was like just chaos. Like yeah. there's never been anything like that on Saturday Night Live. Other than like the time Rage Against the Machine was on there, um, but other than that, like yeah, it's 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 pretty crazy to think about something like that happening and how crazy that must have been for people at the time because punk rock was like this thing that like what is this? It's yeah. weird. Like, yeah, very yeah. underground, very new new style yeah, underground stuff. New. Yeah, yeah, we talked about some of the um, the punk rock scene around the early '80s and stuff. Um, yeah. It's it's a, it was actually pretty wild. Like it's a pretty you know, it's well-respected now, but, you know, at the time, it was pretty, you know, that, that shit was really underground, very rage and everything. That's, it What it was a wild scene, and it was, uh, you know, very uh, innovative scene as well, too, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a pretty wild but story. Any, yeah, <laughs> but I was going to say, if anybody does want to know more about the, uh, you know, early 80s LA punk rock scene, uh, Penelope Spiris's, uh movie, Decline of Western Civilization, is... Uh, a really good start. Yeah. Um, it's a really good movie. It shows band performances, interviews with real punk rockers and, um, you know, real bands and things like that. It's a, it's a very, very good, it's on Tubi, I believe as well. There you go. Everybody all check it out. Well, of course, you know, every time we come to this point in period, we'll talk about some punk, some crazy punk rock stuff. Um, it's pretty fun, but, uh, switching mm-hmm. gears to something not as, uh, intense. Not as fun. <laughs> Who booked this shit? Yes. Who booked this shit? Saturday the 14th. <clears throat> Just when you thought it was safe to look at the calendar again, brother. Okay. So it was. So this one was directed by a guy named Howard R. Conan. And it was actually produced by a girl that we actually done a couple of her movies before, uh, Julia Corman. So Julia Corman. Um, she actually produced a shit ton of movies 
And the one that we've talked about here on the Retro Blood before was Chopping Mall. Yeah, she was Roger yeah. Corman's wife, right? Yes. Who's a famous film producer. Yes, exactly. Of low-budget movies. Yes, of low-budget, yep, yep. So they've done, uh, you know, when it comes to the horror realm, she's done, you know, this movie, Chopping Mall, uh, Sorority House Massacre 2, and, you know, of course her husband has done a bunch as well. And, you know, a couple things. So this was actually, and I didn't realize at this time, but it kind of it kind of makes sense now. The, the husband and wife duo in this movie were actually shoot husband and wife in real life. Uh, Paula Pritis and Richard Benjamin, um, they were actually, uh, uh, you know, husband and wife playing husband and wife in this movie. Um, the Richard guy, like, he's pretty interesting because he was actually in that original Westworld movie, which I thought that was pretty, yeah, that's a pretty cool movie and stuff. Um, yeah, I, I just, I don't know about this one now. <laughs> a little tough. I think, I think part of the problem yeah. also is there's a, th- in my opinion, there's a huge miscasting in this. Like, I don't think Richard Benjamin is right for this role. Yeah. And maybe I haven't seen him in the right stuff. I've seen him in mostly serious roles. Yes. And it's to me, it seemed like it was really hard for him to do the comedy thing. But maybe he's done more comedy than I know about. Um, but when I was watching this, there's a lot of scenes where I was like, what if they had cast Chevy Chase in this role? You know, if it was Chevy Chase and Beverly D'Angelo, like from the vacation movies, instead of, you know, Paul Apprentice and Richard Benjamin, some of this lines could have been delivered better and they and the movie could have been funnier. Well, um, especially well, the scene where they're sitting around the dinner table at, near the end of the movie. Yeah. Like I was thinking, wow, Chevy Chase could have made this funny, yeah. but they probably couldn't afford Chevy Chase at this point. So that's probably. Well, to give our boy Richard Benjamin the due, he did win a Emmy Award for Best Actor in a Comedy Series for his performance in this thing called He and She of 1968. Okay. So I well. guess he's he's had some comedy chops before. Yeah, I just he don't think... he did an award for it. Yeah, he did one award. I just don't think it translated into this movie. Yeah, well, mm. also the script is terrible. Exactly. Yeah. So like we were kind of saying before, this movie wasn't supposed to be like a parody of Friday the 13th. Okay. No. I mean, I doubt it. If they made this movie in 1981, I doubt they... Well, yeah, I guess they kind of were... I guess they kind of, like, went off a little bit of the excess of the original Friday the 13th with the name. But they were mostly trying to... Um, they, were, they were trying to spoof classic horror movies from the 30s and the 40s. Uh, it just, you know... Yes. It just didn't really work. <laughs> no. So, a couple of things I want to bring up. So, this... It was supposed to be a fictional town of Erie that this was taking place from, but they did most of the filming was located at the University of South Carolina District in Los Angeles off West uh, 1190 West Adams Boulevard was like the address where they were filming everything. I actually looked up this house on Zillow um, (laughs) uh, to see if it was for sale. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not, but it's it's valued at like $1.7 million. Oh, well, there you go. Um, but it it did, but it sold in like nineteen ninety six for. Uh, it, somebody bought it on Halloween nineteen ninety six. They must have really uh, loved like, this movie. I was about to say for four hundred thousand dollars. I'm wondering if like they bought it, if somebody bought it then because they liked this movie. God, they really like. Isn't that weird? 
Maybe. It's probably a coincidence, but I'm just like, well, it's weird that it, they bought it on Halloween. Yeah. Um, for the house, the movie that this house, the house of this, that was in this movie. I mean, I'm okay. I'm still trying to like, if there's people out there that like this movie, like I apologize, but like I'm, I could even find like the charm in it a lot. Like, no, to, to I, me, I, you're right. I couldn't either. Like this either. one was like almost um, like a chore to watch. It was actually one of the shortest movies we've actually watched on this show. 70, 76 minutes. Yeah. But like, it felt like four hours. Okay. Like, yeah, I felt like I was watching it forever. <laughs> this it's is like, like a, holy yeah. shit. Like, and like bro trying to take notes on this shit i mean people were just saying dumb joke after dumb. Just, just let me breathe a little bit brother like let the joke sink in like they didn't even do that yeah like i like that's what i was saying like when we do the review on this i don't know it would be so tedious if we just repeated all of those lines throughout this review yeah you know what i mean like it would just be tedious even more tedious than this movie was yeah um, when they get to the party scene, it gets a little bit better. Yeah. But I think, but it's just, it's bad. I mean, it's just like, oh my God, I, I, it's so bad. So, you know, we're not alone in our, uh, our, uh, critical response of this movie. Oh, so at the time, like, I think everybody didn't like this movie variety. They were giving to some shit saying it was like, um, they said the monsters look pretty good, and they they exist in a vast. Uh, they they you know the monster looks pretty good, but the whole plot and everything was pretty like just not there. Um, Vincent Canby at the time, the New York Times said it was an unfunny horror film parody. All right, um, Gene Siniski of Chicago Tribune, you know, gave the film one star out of four and labeled it as a feeble comedy with the husband and wife star acting team. M- Muggling in front of the camera. Comedians wow. don't need stars. They just need jokes. And Saturday 14 doesn't have any. So, yeah, they're getting ripped to time. They're getting ripped apart of all these places. Even Los Angeles Times wrote that it was a not a laugh riot, but a silly spoof of horror movies who appeal probably will be limited to younger people who haven't been exposed to making fun of Dracula for as long as the rest of us. So. I, I mean, I guess, but I can't even imagine younger people liking this in 1981. Yeah, I don't know if I would have liked it either. Like, it was just so, like, not funny and then just so, like, goofy that it was just, like, it wasn't even. I mean, that's the problem. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I think another problem is, you know, so, you know, like, you know, we talk about Scooby-Doo on here. You know what I mean? And, like, Scooby-Doo is not, like, serious. It could be parody of horror stuff, but at least that has, like, a charm to it. I think the biggest thing with this particular movie, there was just no charm. To the actual movie itself like there was no like you know the characters were just so outrageous and just not taking anything serious at all that it just is so it just they didn't have any charm to it you know what i mean yeah you're right i mean we talk about the scooby-doo formula in this a lot but this was like it's almost like the scooby-doo formula without the formula part yeah like you know like like there is that swerve at the end but it's just like I mean I agree with that review. I mean, which I usually don't, but I mean it looks good. I mean the monsters look good. They look like you know nineteen fifties monsters. You know they're all wearing rubber suits, but I mean that's what stuff looked like then. Uh, Jeffrey Tambor is great in everything he does, so him playing the vampire Voldemort was good. Um, but you know it's it's just the, it's just not funny. I mean that's just the bottom line is that it's just not funny. Yeah, the jokes are terrible. I don't I don't know why, how this got greenlit. 
It's just, but it's just not, it's just not funny. Well, show's over, folks. Uh, well, we, show's over, yes. But the Retro Buzz is going to make this one funny because jump on board, everybody, because we are about to do the full review of Saturday the 14th. Hopefully, I can make these jokes make some sense. I guess we'll see. Oh, my God. I got to get more alcohol. <laughs> on Friday the 13th, but it gets worse on Saturday the 14th. The Book of Evil! Evil? Evil? Richard Benjamin, Paul Apprentice. We've inherited a house with a curse. Oh, come on, Mary. You know you don't believe in curses. Well, somebody did the dishes, and we're the only ones in this house. An innocent family driven absolutely batty. Just when you thought it was safe to look at the calendar again comes Saturday the 14th. The year's number one horror comedy spoof. God, look at all these owls. My name is John Hyatt, and I've got bats in my belfry. You know how many? We're charged by the bat. Hold it right there, man. No, no, darling, keep it away. No, thank you very much. I'd like to take a look at her neck. Well, if you don't trust me after 311 years of marriage... When I leave this house, there will be nothing left here to be afraid of. Every shroud has a silver lining, so if you see every other chiller this year, you'll need Saturday the 14th. Oh, this must be a charming wife. Ah! Famine. War. Major pest control. Dead! It's your chance to laugh at everything that ever scared you. Come on, Billy. Quit fooling around. Give me a kiss, darling. <laughs> oh, let me just see who that is. Back for that kiss. Be sure to see it before sunrise. Saturday the 14th. All right. So we open it up. We see an animation open, which I always like seeing these little animation opens. I yes, still think my... They look good. Yeah. This one looks pretty cool. Like this one... Actually, this is probably like the, the coolest part of the movie was like this little animation open. Even though I still prefer the Night of the Demons uh, animation open that's probably my favorite one so far so mm. we get in there we see these two vampire like characters one like you were saying was the guy waldemir played by jeffrey timber um yeah yeah he was pretty good in this one uh their big thing is they're trying to buy this old looking destroyed house uh, from this uh realtor lady and they're, they're talking about how badly they need this house and they wanted to make sure that this house had a bunch of kids going through it constantly. Ha, ha, ha. We're doing predator jokes uh-huh. to start off the fucking movie. <laughs> I was like, okay. So I was like, all right, 1981, was, everybody. Yeah, uh-huh. I was going to say, that was decently funny when uh-huh. when uh, she's like, do you guys have children? And Tambor's like, as often as we can. Yes. So uh, th- th- their big thing is they're trying to find a book. All right, the book of evil. And they're trying to find that book in the house. That's how they want the house. But the realtor later says she can't sell the house because of what happened yesterday. Then we cut to a scene of 
there's this guy named Henry, and he he died, and he was leaving his inheritance to everybody. And we had this old guy reading off the stuff that he left to everybody, and we're doing jokes. I think he actually did the whole oh god uh, tongue blah, blah, you know whatever the what do you call that that tongue deal where you just tongue him I don't know tongue laugh what the 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 thing where it's like blah, blah. oh yeah yeah the, yeah that, that thing. thing yeah yeah he does that yeah yeah funny ha 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 oh funny, man, huh? oh my god just just take my money brother okay it's there. So the big thing is, uh, the we have the 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 high the high the Hyatts, John and Mary. They they're the ones yes. that inherited Henry's house, because that's what everybody wanted at first was the house. But then the, the 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 lawyer guy said, "Oh, by the way, it's cursed," and then he fakes chokes out. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! Oh my god! Uh-huh. Oh my god! So uh-huh. funny! Oh my god! Please, God, you're killing me over here. Okay. So now we're back at the house, and the vamps are still trying to take the house. And then the couple shows up. Um, they so we have John, Mary, Billy, and Debbie. And I was just thinking, brother, like we should do like a count of how many Billies there are in 1980s movies. I mean, fuck. I was about to say like the Billy. There was a kid named Billy and Spookies. Bro, Billy. Week. Okay, we have Billy and Spookies. Okay, we have mm-hmm. Billy in this movie. We probably had Billy in yeah. all these other movies. The, my favorite Billy is the Billy from fucking Silent Night, Deadly Night. That's the best of Billy. Course. But fuck, bro. Every kid is known as Billy. What a name! That must have been the most popular name of the eighties. Billy. I think. Yeah. I think it's just a very common kid for a uh, name for a little kid. So they're all there. At first, Mary thinks the house across the street is their house, but it's not. They see the broken down house, more comedy. Ha ha ha. It's funny. They go past the vamps. They don't even pay them any attention. And then the realtor lady tells the wife, hey, you know, it's just a fixer upper. And then she's like, well, we, we call it home. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, my God. God. You guys are killing me, man. Oh, my God. It's so funny. Okay. So they come into the house. They do more jokes. Billy vanishes. They said that he's used to vanishing because he's the one that hide at Disneyland. Bro, I'm talking about like like this is <laughs> we already started off the movie, man. And they've done like a thousand jokes. Can we let some stuff simmer? Okay. Yeah, it's just like every line is just as a dumb joke. But they yeah, they say he hid inside Dumbo or something. Yeah, at the, Dumbo, at some stupid shit like yeah. that. So Debbie walks around and she gets uh, uh scared, okay? Uh, by seeing, um, it was like a, there's like this painting on the wall that looks at her and stuff. So we could tell that the house is supposed to be like haunted and stuff. And she gets yeah, scared. I, Go ahead. I was gonna say I will say that um, Carrie Michelson, who played Debbie, was the saving grace of this movie. I mean, she was she was the only person in this movie that was worth a shit, other than Jeffrey Tambor, in my opinion. Yeah, um, she actually played a role really well. She was decently funny with what she had to work with. Yeah, um, uh, and uh, and I actually did laugh at her a few times. So I, I thought that she was she was actually really good in this. Yeah, yeah, she was. She was not too bad. Yeah. So she gets scared. They all run. And, uh, they all meet in the living room, and the lights turn on, and it was Billy. He was messing with the fuse box. All right, because he's a smart one. They, they they also notice that he. They also keep saying that he's the smart one in the family. Like everybody else is stupid as shitters. Apparently, apparently. Yeah. So the daughter already wants to leave Debbie. All right, and now we're back at, with uh, Waldemir. 
And he said that, you know, they haven't found it yet. They haven't found that book and stuff. Uh, and he's worried about them finding the, the book and stuff. Uh, he just worried about, you know, he's been looking for this book for like 300 years and he really wants it. So now we have Debbie. Um, she, go ahead. I was going to ask, my question was, why don't they just break into the house and steal the book? Well, you know, well, you got to Before think, they well, moved no, in. No, you can't, remember? You're a vampire. You got to be invited into the house. Oh, right. I even forgot. though, How even though later on in the film, they turn the bats and just get into the house anyway without being invited yeah. in. So we <laughs> did, we couldn't even explain that correctly. <laughs> so um, you're right. Although that, I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Like, if that's such a big deal, why don't they just steal the book? Haven't stole the book before now. Because yeah. supposedly they've been looking for it for like 100 years. Um, and they no just idea. found it at this very moment. Um, but yeah, that, that scene was pretty funny, though, when they first... Um, not to back up, but when they first uh, were going to go meet the uh, um, real estate agent, and yeah. it's like it's dark outside, and he's like, and he's like, well, she said she'd be here at four, and he, she, he's like, she, and his wife's like, maybe she meant four p.m. Oh yeah, and he's like, well, four p.m. When does she sleep? Like yeah. that was hilarious. <laughs> oh, my God. So uh, now Debbie, she's watching TV, <clears throat> and the only. Uh, TV they're getting is the Twilight Zone. Yeah, they only get the Twilight Zone. And we can hear the uh, the the host. I don't think it's the real guy's voice off the Twilight Zone, but it's the guy that sounds like him. And he's uh, narrating what's going to be happening off the TV. And Debbie's wondering why this is the only channel they're getting. And the dad's like, oh, it'll go away after the storm. And then she's like, what storm? I don't so now the dad finds a note in the fridge. Okay. Yes. And we have Mary, she's cleaning the skulls. Huh. Oh my God. So funny. Oh my God. It's so huh. funny. So they, they, the dad gets a note, John does, saying, Don't open the book from Uncle Henry. And he's like, Book? What book? I don't see no book. And of course, then we cut to Billy. He's opening the book. And the book is. Check this clever line out. It's the book of evil. All right. Whoever shall open this book will release evil onto this world. All right. Uh, (laughs) Go ahead. I actually thought that was pretty funny. Um, But because like you don't read that until you've actually already opened it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, but anyway, yeah, but I thought that was actually pretty funny, but yeah, he's reading the book of evil. Yes. Not the Necronomicon. No, the book of evil, brother. Mm. No, the book of evil. So Mary, the wife thinks it's, it was like, well, maybe it's a cookbook. And he's all like, why would it be a cookbook? Oh it's like, well, because, you know, I get really sensitive about my apple turnover recipe. Oh my God. They're killing I, I, me. It's here, so, it's, They're killing me. It's so sad. It's so sad. Like. <laughs> Like they thought that was a good joke. I All guess. right, so like, part, part of the book. Once you get to page number two of the book, okay, yeah. it says it gets bad on Friday the thirteenth. It gets worse on Saturday the fourteenth. Oh, okay. And then Billy keeps turning over the page, and every time he turns a page, we see some eighties lightning, and yeah. we have the demons getting out of the book, like they they come alive from the book every time he turns a page. All right, and at first I thought they were doing all like the the universal monsters, like the swamp thing, Bigfoot and stuff. But a couple of them looked a little different. One of them did look like Bigfoot, though. 
Wait, so, the Universal Monsters, the Swamp Thing, and Bigfoot? No, I said at first I thought they were just gonna do all Universal Monsters, like you know, like you know, like the Dracula, oh, yeah. okay. Frankenstein, Wolfman, and stuff. But then I noticed, like, oh wait a minute, there's Bigfoot in there, so they're they're doing more yeah, than yeah. just Universal Monsters. And there was yeah, like true. one monster, like what did it, it had the 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 I can't place it where I seen it. It kind of looked like a Teletubby. You know, with the eyes, it's all yeah, hairy with yeah. the eyes. I, I like that one. Or yeah, he, that was like the main one hmm. that was messing with Billy. Yeah. And then like, yeah, I think I seen, they've done that design uh, like before with different uh, shows and stuff. So it looked pretty, pretty I cool. I mean, they probably took that from some old show or movie to yeah. use it as, in this movie. So now the realtor lady, she's back. She's like, well, they spent a whole day there. They're, time, they're probably ready to sell. And I'm like, it's at night. They haven't even been there the whole day. <laughs> yeah. So she's walking around. She sees a bunch of lightning, and then she gets scared by the Bigfoot, and she screams, and then we see uh, the only blood that we see in this movie at all is on her purse. So these monsters didn't kill anybody, but they killed the realtor. That's the only person they killed in this whole fucking movie. PG, brother. brother. Yeah, PG, come on. I'm surprised we even got that. So now the couple, they hear the screaming, all right, John and Mary do, and they think it's just owls. And she's like, well, let me go check. And then she's like, oh, yeah, it owls. is an owl. So good, right? So good. I mean, come on, brother. I mean, just what? The comedy of the year. Gold, man. All right, of the year. So now there's the demon guy that we were talking about with the eyes and shit. He's like uh, out there torturing Billy, or like Billy screams and stuff. Dad comes in there, like, he gets up, and then he knocks his wife out, because it's comedy, and then he walks around saying, oh, hey, there's there's no monsters in here, monsters are not real, of course, the monster's right behind him, all right, there's no yeah. monsters in here at all, and then he goes back to sleep, hey, did you know he just thought it was a monster, how funny is that, ha, 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 and then he tries to go kiss his wife, and his wife's not there, all right, and then he starts complaining about the owls again. And eventually he runs into his wife upstairs and we can see that the wife has now been bitten by the vampire. So now the uh, the two-eyed demon, that's why I called him, he's now fighting Billy and stuff. Uh, and Billy eventually just throws the book at his ass and he falls out the window and it crashes and then they all think it's Al's still. <laughs> and then the vamp guy, uh, Valdemir, he sees all that and he looks shocked and he's like, oh crap, they found it. They found the book. It's not fair. And then the wife's like, well, what, what, what's wrong? Like, you're here. You found it now. It's like, well, I've been searching this book for 300 years. And that's not the point. Whoever controls the book controls the world. Oh, okay. Yes. So we're waiting on this. Well, so, okay. Well, yeah. we won't talk about this now. Sorry, I brought this up. We'll talk about it later. So the family is all eating the breakfast right now. And they were talking about, well, who did the dishes last night? And they couldn't figure out who did dishes at all. Wife might think it was some elves. All right. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, my oh. God. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, let's stop for a second. So, the monsters are doing the dishes and cleaning up the house. Yeah. Well, we have Is one clean. Is it because they're... We have a clean monster. I guess you, so. Are you saying you but, can't have an OT, uh, uh, OCD monster? I guess you could. I guess you could. Yeah, come on, In 2023, brother. I guess that'd be a thing. Yeah. But like, I could see like, okay, so there's a part where they clean up Billy's room too. And I could see, okay, they cleaned up well, Billy's room. Well, that was room, the mom that cleaned it up. Look. 
No, the, no. Well, she said she put away some clothes. Yeah, but that was supposed to be then, a joke. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> the joke was, the joke is like when moms say they clean up your room, they just put a couple of shirts, they actually go there and deep clean. That was like, that's like a joke for oh, parents and so, shit. Sorry, I didn't catch the joke in yeah. that. <laughs> and, and, oh my god holy fuck all right let's go let's continue on come on brother get your jokes correct okay we need it oh my god holy shit okay. so they see okay. debbie and stuff she walks in the kitchen and like hey did you do the dishes like no i didn't do the dishes and she still wants to leave debbie did and and then they think it's billy and then and then debbie's like can't be fucking billy you seen billy he came and do any of this shit and then she pulls out a giant glove <laughs> funny so now J- J- Billy, um, he's talking about, uh, he's talking to Debbie and stuff, and there's more Twilight Zone narration in the back. Okay. So Mary needs to make, she, she thinks if they, if she puts up curtains around the house, the house would be more quiet. Okay. And then dad's like, hey, somebody broke the window. And then they're going to go out and get some curtains and fix the, the window, and they tell the kids, don't wreck the house. <laughs> Don't wreck the house. All right. So they're, they're leaving, and then this is when we meet the cop. He is, like, rushing to get somewhere because he heard some crazy noises last night, and it was supposed to be funny. So this part was this part was weird for, for, for a minute. So, okay, how old is this Debbie girl supposed to be in this film? All right, so let's talk about this because it. So, because uh, so you have to consider that it's like a different time. Yes, right. So now we're not as back in 1981. We are not as what what the kids on Reddit call wholesome as we are now. Yeah. So Debbie is a teenager. There's no doubt about that. She's probably 16, 15, 16 years old. Right. Um, the actual actress playing her is 20 years old in this movie. There you go. Um, so I, I won't personally, as a human being, I refuse to be, to feel bad about anything like having this conversation about the way Debbie was portrayed in this movie. I mean, it's not like she was around fucking people, but she was like, but she, she's kind of, um, uh, like this whole scene where she like the whole scene where she's in the bathtub. Like I could see how people might be uncomfortable, but I mean, whatever. I mean, just get a fucking grip. I mean, she's twenty years old. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously she she didn't look like she was young. I would just I was right. just trying to see what how old she was being portrayed in this film. Yeah, she's supposed to. I think she's supposed to be like sixteen years. But old the, the reason they were doing this scene was just for the the for the gag of it. So you know, obviously she's about to take a bath. And there's something in the yeah. water. It looks like a little fin. They get a. She gets a phone call. She's starting to address a little bit, and she gets a phone call. It's a telephone company saying they're going to have uh, the phones down for an hour, and she's wondering why they're telling her this. And then she goes back to the bathtub. I was wondering that too. Like, is that yeah. a thing that used to happen? I guess like the I phone know. company would call you and tell your phone yes. was going to be down for an hour. So she gets into the bathtub. Right, she's taking a whole bath and everything. And at right. first, you know, they were going to do the whole, you know, Freddy Krueger deal, even though this is made before then. And uh, yeah. she gets scared by a rubber duck. All right. And then you think everything's okay. And then the fish man comes out of the bathtub to scare our girl, Debbie. And it's, 
it basically it's supposed to be like the creature from the Black Lagoon looking. Yeah, but this is not a Universal movie, so they couldn't get the rights to that. Exactly. So she freaks out. She runs around the house and stuff, and apparently, like the there was like a translation that the uh, the monster was doing, saying, "Excuse me, Miss, have you seen this very large book?" I guess he was wow. saying that in okay. fish. I guess so. All right. Um, one thing that I, before we move on, I wanted to comment on to see what you thought about this as far as a filmmaking thing goes. So when she gets scared by the duck and then again by the uh, fake creature from the Black Lagoon, so she's like in the tub, right? She's in the tub with no clothes on, yeah. which is what you would be if you were in a tub. And then like the bubbles from her bubble bath are like covering up her boobs. But she jumps up. And they're still covered yeah. with soap, with soap bubbles. I find that amazing. I have no idea how they did that in this movie. Well, how maybe many they times had they had a, to do it to where they didn't fall off? Maybe they had a, a bubble soap bra or something. Maybe. Maybe uh-huh. they did. But it, it's pretty amazing that, that like, I don't know how they would do that so many times. They have to do it so many times before they got it to where it didn't fall off. Yeah. But, yeah, I just thought that was amazing filmmaking. There you go, my positive, positive review of this it's movie. It's all illusion, man. All right, it's all about the edit. All right, so she gets up there crying for Billy. All right, she says there's, there's a giant fish in the bathtub. All right, and she, Billy's like, well, what do you want me to do? He's like, well, you're the smart one. He's like, well, what do you want me to do, boil it? <laughs> uh-huh. So, she, she, so they see it, right? And she's like, hey, can you keep it busy? And she's like, well, what am I supposed to do, bring out my Monopoly set? Okay, can we we just keep it for one joke at a time? All right, please. So Billy runs upstairs, and then this, and then um, Debbie distracts. She's doing all this in a towel, by the way. She's not just bubbled naked the whole time. She's in a towel. Yeah, she is in a towel at this point. Yeah, and she's uh, she's running her way, and she's running away. And then Billy tries the TV, but the phone's down. Uh, Debbie's screaming. She's still getting followed by the, the the fish. And that cop guy from earlier, he hears the screams happening. So she, he gets inside the house. He sees the fish man. And he shoots the, six, six, the fish man six times. Six times. Even in the head. But of course, the fish man does not go down. And then after this, Debbie passes out. And the fish man drags the cop away. Now we have Billy... And he needs Debbie's help, all right, to to find the book because he lost the book. Because remember, the book was supposed to be in his room, but like you said earlier, Allison, the mom cleaned up the whole room, so now the book is missing. Okay. Yes. And she, he basically he hears the the parents coming home, so he puts uh, um, Debbie back in the bathtub, even though she almost drowned. And he puts her back on there, and he turns on the Twilight Zone. And he's doing this because he thinks that if the parents, he Billy feels like this is all his fault because he's the one that opened the book, so he doesn't want to get blamed for it. So that's why he's covering his right. tracks now. And the parents come home. They all ask where Debbie is. Mom wakes up. Debbie, she's freaking out. She just said she had a crazy dream, so she all thinks it's a dream. And of course, Billy is trying to uh, uh, find his book still. And then, of course, we get more Twilight Zone stuff from the phone on there. And then Mary tells uh, 
so, you know, Debbie's wondering, like, why do we still keep getting only the Twilight Zone? And then Mary's, her explanation was, well, you know, when I grew up, the only thing I would watch was I Love Lucy. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So that must be why. <laughs> gotcha. That makes sense. And then there, then, then uh, Mary brings up that they're actually going to have a party, all right, on Saturday the 13th. And then Debbie says, oh, no, it's not the 13th this Saturday. It's the 14th. Oh, okay. So now Billy really needs this book. And the, the day that we're landing on right now, it's Friday the 13th right now on this day. So now Billy is talking to his dad and his dad's making like some weird. He, basically, the dad is making an egg peanut butter sandwich. Is that like a thing? I don't know. I've no, never no. heard of that. It's an it's a bologna peanut peanut butter sandwich. It's supposed to be. I've funny. never heard of that. That's weird. Funny man. Oh, God. Hilarious. Hilarious. It's hard. To, it's get, at this point in the movie, it's hard for me to tell what's a joke and what's not. I don't know. So now Billy is saying, "Hey, Dad. Um, hypothetically, if you lost something that would destroy the whole world, what would you do?" And then of course the dad's like, "Oh, did you lose something, son?" Uh-huh. That was a funny little joke. Okay. So. So, so now Debbie and the mom come back home and Debbie's like, yeah, I had like this weird like guy ask me if I wanted to sell any old stuff in the house, like an old book or anything. And of course, Billy's all freaking out. It's like, oh crap. What? They know about the book. All right. And then, then the dad asks, hey, my wife, have you ever lost anything that might destroy the whole world? Ha ha ha. So, okay. So now Mary, she's walking around she hears some noise in the closet she thinks it might be a kitty cat, so she keeps calling it Puss the whole time. Mm. And she thinks that there's more owls out there. All right. Let's see. Okay. So we have some... Now that she's out in the um, the attic now. All right. And there's bats all around the attic, and all the bats are biting her. Mary, right now. And then they call the vamp guy. He's in there, and he's with her in the, the attic now. And, of course, the dad comes back after hearing some stuff, and he's wondering who ate his sandwich. Billy takes the blame for it. And now they have to, they, they realize that they have some bats in their house, and they need to call the exterminator now. Okay? And you're all wondering how we are going to get Van Helsing on this story. Well, look no further. Because Van Helsing is apparently working for a, a, a exterminator company. Okay? Why you ask? Because he specializes in bats because of vampires. Yeah, exactly. I love that made perfect sense. So they get a call. They need somebody to help them over at 329 Elm Street. Uh Uh-oh. Okay. So they're sending Van Helsen over to 329 Elm Street. All right. And Van Helsen feels like it's going to be this house. The guy says, well, you know, you say that about all the houses. All right, and then he says, yes, I'm finally looking for the end of the rainbow. All right, so he's looking for the book. You could tell that Van Helsing is also looking for the book, okay? So now Van Helsing gets to the house, okay? And Van Helsing basically gets there. He introduces himself to everybody. 
they kind of say, hey, you're the exterminator. You don't look like one. And he starts making some jokes about that. Uh, they call Billy the smart one over here. And then Debbie thinks he's creepy. All right. So now Van Helsing comes up there. He's like, when I'm here, you have nothing to freak about. So he does like this little vampire pose. Mary sees it and she freaks out and she goes back upstairs. He's like, oh, that, that was be- funny, though. Yeah, that was funny. That when, yeah. when, she, when he's standing on the steps and she comes around the corner, and screams and runs off. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, that must be your lovely wife. That must be your lovely knife. What's for dinner? <laughs> that was, yeah, that was that was pretty funny. So let's see. So now Debbie, she's getting the food ready. And she's talking to Billy about, you know, this place and stuff, how she wants to move. And they can't because, um, uh, like they can't, they can't move out of the house because they got this house inherited from their uncle Henry. And if they leave, they'll lose the house and they won't get any profit off of it for some reason. So Billy leaves and then, um, then Debbie sees that the, the, the food that she was making was actually the dead head of the cop. So she, Runs and she gets all freaked out. So the mom is like in the bed. And now the mom is not feeling too well. And she thinks she might be pregnant. Okay. And then Debbie comes in. Tells her dad like the guy the guy from next door is in the kitchen. She means the head. And then they come in there. Jeez. And there's no head in there. And there's actually a full made meal. Okay. Alright. And then... uh the head it was just like hanging around. All right, so somebody's messing with them. And now they're eating food now, and Mary, she won't eat garlic. Ah, vampire yeah. funny stuff. She won't eat garlic. Vampire jokes. And, of course, uh, uh, John, he makes a, a pregnant joke. Oh, she's just going to eat pickles and ice creams. Uh-huh. And then they start talking about if she's <sighs> pregnant or not. And then Van Helsing kind of figures it out, saying, I've seen this activity before. And I was like, I need to know where the book is. Have you all found the book? All right. He's like, I've been looking for, I've been following this book for many years. And I need to know where it's gone. Dad's confused. He's saying, the book of what, evil? All right. He's like, how does this make sense? And then the lights go, the lights are all out now. And the the Van Helsing is saying, all the evil in this one book. All right. And, uh, you know, he's basically saying all this evil is in one book. And the, a lot of the bad stuff is going to be happening pretty soon on Saturday the 14th. So a lot of fame is like, oh, maybe we should sell the house and get out of here now. And they just thought, and then Van Helsing is like, no, we still have your party. Still, have, We can use this t- for, our, for our advantage. We can use all this positive energy of all these people coming over to tame these monsters in the book. Okay. He'll just like, just let me prepare around the house. Okay, I was like, okay. And he told Billy, Billy, this is like Allison trying to demand people stuff. You will find that book, brother. Okay. Wow. (laughs) Read all the books, man. So they all sleep. Uh, Mary, she's getting away. She hears a voice. It's the Valdemir trying to get her to find the book. Apparently she found the book. It flashes her and she goes away. She's like, and the guy's like, oh, okay, well, I'll find another way. Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, let's see. 
So the, the now the the vampire couple are now arguing. The the vamp girl thinks that Valdemir likes the girl now. All right. And he's like, no, I'm just trying to do this, trying to find the book. That's why I've been doing this whole stuff. So they start arguing back and forth. And apparently he kind of cheated on her 30, 30 years ago or some 300 years ago in London or something. They start bitching about that back and forth to each other. And they turn into bats and they get inside the house. All right. So they didn't even mm. need to be invited in. No. Uh-huh. That was a pretty cool little stop motion animation scene, though. The yeah. bats flying into the house. That was kind of cool. Yes. So now we have Debbie. She's awake, all right. And then she is uh, she's going to the bathroom, all right. And once she gets to the bathroom, she also sees that there's a hidden there's a wolf, wolf creature monster in there, all right. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess she gets like vanished. Like she goes to the bathroom, but she gets summoned to the kitchen somehow. And this is when she sees a scene of like all these monsters eating stuff, and one of them trying to clean. It's supposed to be funny. I guess. I guess it's, it's hard for me to tell at this point in the movie what's supposed to be funny and what's not. But yeah, somehow she gets like warped to the kitchen instead of the bathroom. Yeah. And then the monsters are all eating food and one of them's cleaning the uh, the refrigerator because it cleans stuff because it's OCD, I guess. Yeah. The OCD monster, man. Come on. Uh, so she gets away and she gets out of the mess and then she gets, of course, she gets followed again by her lover, Fishman. Yes. Right? Tries to grab her. And um, there's a lot of smoke going on at this time in the house, too. So the vampires are still complaining to each other. All right. Uh, and then Van Helsing, they, then they eventually run into Van Helsing. They see him. All right. And they're, they they know all know each other because they battled before. And Van Helsing yes. is like, they're both looking for the book and everything. And he's like, hey, well, I got this potion right here. No, this potion will destroy you. And they're like, okay, well, you won this time. And then they leave and they get out of there. And then Van, Van Helsing, oh, they'll believe anything. And he drinks it like it's just like normal soda or something. Mm-hmm. Ha <laughs> ha funny. Because, you know, vampires uh, sorry, believe anything. Sorry, I forgot anything. to laugh. Huh. Come on, brother. So Billy wants to, he really, really right now, like he's like, he can't handle this shit. He wants to leave. All right. He's 10 years old and he needs to start playing out there. And Van Helsing's trying to tell him to stay. But he's like, okay, go ahead, try to leave. And he tries to leave, but he can't because there's some sort of evil creature demon out there right now that's stopping him from leaving. So he tries to go open the door. He tries to do this like three times. I was like, fuck, okay, we got you. You can't leave. Um, so now, but he's like, well, I got to go to school on Monday. He's like, well, it didn't advance. Well, don't worry about it. All this will be over on Saturday one way or another. And now we're finally here, everybody. We're finally here on Saturday the 14th. It is the day. The day of reckoning. So Van Van Helsing is trying to uh, recommend garlic all around the house, and John's like, "Well, you know, Mary, she can't handle it like she used to, huh? 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 Because you know, the dad is totally oblivious to everything." Okay. Mm-hmm. So now the dad he, he gets some coffee. He's like, "Well, I need some coffee, or I can't see straight." And of course, there's some eyes in his coffee. Huh? Oh my god, brother. Come on, brother. I mean, God, these jokes are great. All right. So now Van Helsing, he's going uh, on about some more garlic. Debbie, she she's she's freaking out and she needs to leave now. She can't handle it either, but she can't leave because there's a big force keeping them all inside. All right. Go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say like yeah, like the uh, 
um, I, I think we skipped it, but the scene with the the delivery guy from the liquor store was pretty funny. Yeah. No, he's coming he up right like, now. Oh yeah. Well, okay. We're not yeah. quite to the party yet. Okay. Yeah, like, yeah. I'll, I'll hold it off. But, so they all. Yeah. There's some kind of like what yeah. they call a storm that's keeping them inside the house. Yeah. 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 So they can't leave the house, but people can come in. Okay. So Debbie, um, they said she's freaked out. She tries to leave at first, but then they're, they're all kind of like distracted and stuff about talking about these monsters and stuff. And and they forgot that the party was happening tonight. They kind of wanted to call off, but Van Helping's like, no, we need the positive energy to, to fight oh, these yes. monsters. And then the family's like, well, we shouldn't invite the relatives then. <laughs> so... Mm. So that she tried. Debbie now tries to call on the phone. The phone's busy, and the phone was making some jokes, or something. So Marty's still in bed. So Mary, she's still in bed, okay, and she she has dirt on her now, okay, because she's turning into a vampire. And she tells John that she just spilled a flower pot on her. He tries to clean it up. She's like, "No, I need to sleep." And she tries to bite him, but the door yeah. rings. Yeah, it's in the bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all in the bed. Yeah. So she's sleeping in the in, in in, dirt, on in the earth bed. in the bed in yeah. dirt. Yeah, because she spilled a flower pot. Is what she told yes. in the bed. So when the door rings, this is when we get the liquor store guy. Okay, because he's there to deliver the food for tonight. And at first, Van Helsing opens the door, and he's like, "He's like, hey, liquor store." He's like, "No, this is a private residence." And he shuts the door. Ha <laughs> ha! Huh. Very funny. And then he opens up the door. He's like, no, no, I'm the guy from the liquor store. He's like, okay, yeah, drop it. And come bring it in here. My knees are not what they used to be. All right, so he drops it in there, and the liquor store guy tries to leave, all right, and he can't leave now, and none of, none of them can leave now now because you can get in, but you can't leave. Mm. Yeah, and once you're in, you can't go back Yeah, out. And the, the liquor store guy just thinks it's a bad storm. He's like, oh, this storm just popped up out of nowhere. All right. So now they're all in the living room. Twilight Zone guys narrates what's happening right now. Or what's about to happen. And liquor store guy is, is, you know, he's there trapped with them. And they all, like, ask who he is, but they can't figure it out. Like, who is this guy? And then now the Van Helsing, he's putting stuff around the house. Okay? He's putting, like, candles and, and he's lighting candles and stuff all around the house. And garlic around the house. Um... Mary's up. She she opens up the door for all the family. Um, all the family comes on in. They they said like, hey, don't open up. There's something terrible is gonna happen. But she just opens up all the door. All the family comes in. So we meet all the family. One of the uncles just wants to go to the bar. Okay. Yeah. So he just wants to go to the bar. And then we have the aunt. She wants to put up her coat on her own. And she's the first one that gets attacked in the closet for putting up the coat. Ha ha ha. Uh, very funny. And she makes a joke about how she stole her coat idea or something like that. We have one of the relatives, the blonde girl, she's trying to steal dishes. Okay. And next, then we have another guest that comes and she's the wife of the cop who was next door. And the funny gag about this one is everybody was bringing everybody an electric can opener. So I guess we're uh, yeah, a I don't get this joke at all. Well, it's a housewarming gift. It's funny, Allison. Okay, oh my god, it's so bad. Well, I'm gonna get you like, an electric can gonna, opener then. Well, I mean, I could actually probably use that to be honest <laughs> with you, but I'm just saying that, like in this, 
in this movie like they kept bringing this can opener up and i'm like oh my fucking god like is yeah. this really like a joke we're gonna watch over and over again yeah and of course now the dad he brings out some ice he's like hey i think this ice is old because there's like cobwebs on it and then now all of them then all of them that they they now can't find billy because van helsen's like listen i can't be the guy who just makes liquor for everybody right now we got to find billy in the book so they all come up with a game to find billy and they all have to find Billy before midnight or else bad stuff will start happening. Okay. And then they all say, they all come up with the plan would help everybody in the house find Billy. And he said, whoever finds Billy first will win the electric can opener. And they all are happy about that. So, so now they're all looking around the house and there's jokes everywhere they're going closets rooms kitchen you know there's monsters everywhere. all this stupid jokes happening around the house there's like the blonde runs into this ghost lady and she runs away all right so yeah it's so bad yes and uh so now the wife uh, mary she is uh, uh looking around so the the blonde girl who got scared by the 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 ghostly lady she is now wandering around and she goes into his room to hide and she, she, she trips and then she sees this hairy monster and now she's gone. I guess we had two kills in this movie. She was one of them. So let's see. So now she can't find... Okay, so now Van Helsing's like, um, we, gotta, we only have like about one minute left for stuff is going to get terrible. And then they hear something. It's like, okay, maybe less than one minute. <laughs> Things will get terrible. That line was actually kind of clever. And they all think they're doomed. They hear the doorbell ring. Lights lights are all going off and stuff. And then eventually the vampires show up. Okay. And they bring Billy. And Billy has the books. And uh, then we see all the monsters congregate in one room. And now the vampires told us something that was a swerve, I guess. Saying Van Helsing's actually the most biggest monster here. He's the one that wants to unleash these monsters onto everybody. And we're only here to get the book to get it away from him. Okay? So apparently Billy has... Swerve, brother. Swerve. Billy now has floating power. Okay? And by doing this floating power, now we're having a battle of the faces. Or facial expressions between Van Helsing and the vampire, which was totally lame. Yeah, and Billy's now dressed like a vampire. For some reason. Well, he's hanging out with the... Vampire crew. Come on now. Well, of course. So we have some 80s lightning going off in hand and stuff, facing off each other. They're playing mind games and faces on each other. And eventually, the Van Helsing overtakes them. Uh, the the monsters are, are, are attacking everybody. We have some more 80s effects that happened. And then eventually, it's, it's up to Van Helsing and Billy. And... Van Helsing was telling the monsters, help me and I'll let you all free. You want to be staying in the book. So Billy comes over there and now he's attacking Van Helsing with the book because he's all like, hey, you know, like the, the, the if I hit people with this book, like he did to the monster at the beginning, that's what he's doing to Van Helsing. So he hits Van Helsing and he throws the book onto Van Helsing. And I guess when you throw the book... At somebody or the creature, they all get sucked back into the book. Okay. So, so that's what happened. So he threw the book at Van Helsing. All the demons get sucked back into the book. All right. 
everybody is all happy. They still don't know who the liquor guy is, liquor store guy is. Liquor store guy leaves, says it was a great party. Uh, their dog is back, even though we didn't get introduced to a dog at all in this movie. Okay. I was confused about that as well. Yes. I was like, it was supposed there's to be never funny. been a dog in this entire movie, but yes. now the dog is back. Yes. So now the vamp guy, what's his name? Waldemir. He, he's like, he thought destroying yeah, the yeah. book. He said he thought destroying the book would uh, release the monsters, but it was the opposite. It was, it was keeping the book. will keep the monsters in. So he says like, you know, he's like the family has done enough and they struggled enough. So now they're going to be living in a nice house. So now the house turns into the house that looks like across the street. And then we end Saturday the 14th. What a cinematic classic, brother. I don't think I've ever watched this movie again, to be honest with you. Uh, No, no. And and I think that it's – I particularly did not like it because I expected it to be better. Yeah. Um, Because I think I said last week that I didn't know that if I'd ever seen this movie before, I've never seen this before. Yeah. Um, I, there's no way I would ever forget this. If I had seen this before, we would not be doing this on the show. I would have <laughs> refused to watch it. Um, well, there is a, but, there, um, there is another swerve I wanted to uh, tell you about that I think we should do. I'm afraid I know what you're going to say. We have to, man. Like, we got to get it out of the way. Okay? Please, God, no. So, I know next week we were supposed to do, like, what, munchies or something like that? Yeah. We might have to skip it. Save it for a later date because did you know, Allison, that this movie has a sequel? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. I hate you. I fucking hate you. Um, I found that out. I was shocked. Me too. That this movie got a fucking sequel. You gotta be fucking kidding me. Like fucking seven years later. Oh. I did I think that okay, it's either six or seven years later, this shit came back. Yeah, it was it was directed and written by the same person. I was like, no shit. Which is shit. not a good sign. So they're going to try it again, brother. It's called Saturday the 14th Strikes Back. <laughs> and Yes. Oh, my God. Listen, there's no way on ever that we're going to be doing that movie unless we're going to do it next week. Okay? So You're right. I say we do it next week. We get it out of the way. We do the, uh, the sequel to a sequel to an already horrible movie. It could be better. We know, I don't know. I've never it seen it. I have no idea. But it looks goofy. It can't, it can't be worse. I saw the trailer. It looks just as worst. But we'll we'll see. We'll see, brother. Because that's the one we're doing next week on the Retro Blood. Saturday the 14th strikes back. All right. Oh. So we're going to call it in the ring. Instead of doing munchies, we're going to do Saturday the 14th strikes back. Instead. Yes. Yes. And then, right. uh, and then on that episode, we will uh, tell you what the, the, the finale of this month is going to be, which that movie should be pretty fun to talk about. So. Which is actually a good movie. So, yes. yeah. If you've made it this far, you'll get a good movie by the end of the month, I promise. Yes. But, you know, uh, yeah, just very, it's it just, this movie was just very interesting for the time period. Like, I didn't really expect something like this to come out in 1981. I could kind of see why, because, you know, we're, we're, we're you know, we're, we're trying to, I, I, I think it was trying to be like a wholesome family movie, but it was just, it just, it just really it wasn't that good. <laughs> yeah. No, it wasn't good at all. It was, no. Yes, this was bad. But you know, hey, you never know, brother. Strikes back Friday, Saturday the fourteenth. Let's see what it got. You know, I mean, maybe, 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 maybe we'll be surprised. We never know. We'll see what happens. So, but everybody, thanks for joining us here on the Retro Blood. 
Uh, be sure to like the Facebook, Instagram, YouTube page. We're going to be showing some more love on there. You know, I post all the episodes, all the hints about all the episodes on there too. Um, the YouTube page, I'm putting little shorts videos on there. Of course, you can listen to full episodes of the show on there as well too. Um, pretty sure we're start doing some more video stuff. So that'd be pretty fun. But yeah, support the show, everybody. If you have any questions or you know comments or anything, you know you can write to us retroblood69 at gmail, or you can mm. comment on the Facebook or however you please. You know, message us or tweet us and stuff. I am on um, I am on X as well too. Retrobloods on X as well too. So follow the X page. Um, I don't really like Oof. X a lot, but I do release the episodes on X. So. But, Allison, what are you going to be taking us out of here when it comes to the band Fear? What are you going to be listening to from Fear? Well, with Fear, let's, we might as well play one of the songs that they played that night, that faithful night on Saturday Night Live. So let's play uh, Let's Start a War. Let's Start a War, brother. Because, you know, our boy Van Helsing, he was tr- actually uh, uh, turning heel on yes. Saturday the 14th, brother. He is not the savior. He was trying to turn heel and start a war by getting all these monsters to get out of the book of evil okay I mean why would you pick these style monsters you know that didn't really do anything who knows but you know what he was just trying he was trying to start that war it just didn't work out but everybody Jay Austin James Kine we will see you here next week on The Richard see you guys <laughs>